We've been in this series called Yahweh, and we are um, trying to dig in and understand who God is based on a passage of Scripture, um, what, what God, who God told Moses he was in Exodus. And we're going to take another step to, to do that today. We're going to play a little game to start because it's fun to play some games in church, and you can play this with the person sitting next to you or around you. I'm going to give you a phrase, and we want you to try to guess or to define what this phrase means. In other words, if someone were to come here from another culture, another place, and they had never heard this phrase, could you tell them what this phrase really means? For example, here's the first one. We have five. This is the first one. Oh, that's a piece of cake. Now, you might think, well, what do you mean? Because to us, this makes perfect sense. Oh, well, that's a piece of cake. Not literally that's a piece of cake, but what we mean is, oh, that's easy. Okay, so you all get the first one. Good job. You didn't even talk to your neighbor. So this next one, I'm going to give you some space, and you can answer the question. Like somebody asks you, well, what does this phrase mean? Bite the bullet. What does it mean to bite the bullet? It feels like I would break my tooth and um, my dentist, Corey, would be upset that I bit the bullet and broke my tooth. Like, what, what does that mean? So go ahead and share with your neighbor. What does it mean to bite the bullet? Okay, what does it mean? Just do it. All right, go, go do it. Just bite the bullet. Like, get after it. Like, go. Like, don't stop anymore. Like, quit procrastinating. Get there, right? That's what it means, and we all get that because we, we've heard that. What about this one? This is an interesting one if you come from a different culture. Just, you know, don't spill the beans. You're like, are they messy? Are they going to get on the floor? Like, what does it mean to not spill the beans? What does that mean? Yeah, don't tell someone. Like, it's a secret, or like, hold it to yourself. Like, don't let them in on what we know to be true. Are you with me? Do you get these? Okay, I've got two more for you. Here's the next one. Oh, just, he got in by the skin of your teeth. You just got in by the skin of your teeth. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Do our teeth have skin? Do they have like a, a question? Does anyone know where this comes from? This, this concept, where this phrase comes from. It comes from the book of Job in the Bible. Did you know that? It's crazy that it's made its way into the English language the way that it has because it comes from the book of Job where Job is talking about getting by, by the, the skin of his teeth. And it means that you just got in, right? You just slipped in. You were just able to make it. Okay, one more. You guys are bored with this game. Okay, I got one more. You ready? Here it is. He's got a long nose. A liar? How many of you say that means he's a liar? Pinocchio. Interesting, interesting, interesting. This phrase shows up in the Bible. And here's where it shows up. Yahweh, Yahweh. The God of compassion and grace. I am slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, if you were to read the original Hebrew in the Old Testament of what God says. What he says is, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God of compassion and grace, a God with a long nose and full of loyal love and faithfulness. Isn't that interesting? 
We all like think of Pinocchio when we think of a long nose, like his nose gets longer because he's telling lies. In scripture, this concept means something very different. Uh, I'm gonna, Cameron got us going on this, so I'm gonna just continue the whole Hebrew thing. So I'm gonna teach you a Hebrew phrase. And so uh, here it is. Can you say Eric? Eric, apayim, Eric, apayim, sounds like a good DJ that you want to go listen to, Eric, Eric, I try, I try, Eric, apayim, Eric, apayim, a long nose, Eric, apayim, long nostrils, a long nose, it is translated in our Bibles as slow to anger because we would have no idea what that means if it said God with a long nose. But as you see it in Scripture, almost every time it's translated this concept, slow to anger. Now, we might say, where does that come from? Like, that con- like where, where does that come from? Have you ever heard this? Oh my goodness, he was heated today. Have you ever heard that? He was, he, was, he was on fire, like he got heated. And maybe the idea comes from this, uh, this thing that is true for most humans. As you get angry, sometimes your face begins to get red. And so maybe, just maybe, the reason this phrase started to make sense in, in, to the Hebrew uh, people was because as your face gets heated, the longer your nose, the, the longer it takes for you to actually get anger, angry and to get heated. Does that make sense? At some level, does that make sense? Some of you are like, no, that doesn't make any sense. But for some of you, maybe that makes sense. But the idea was this was just a phrase that meant slow to anger. Look at this from Proverbs. A person's wisdom is their long nose. Now, some of you, and maybe I have a long nose, and I appreciate this proverb, and I think just because I have a long nose, I'm a person of wisdom. But what it means is actually a person's wisdom is their ability to be slow to anger. Here's another one from Proverbs. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Does that make sense? The one who is slow to anger is better than the one who has the most power. And the one who can control the emotions within them, the one who can control himself is better than the one who actually goes out and captures an entire city. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. We are living in a cultural moment when the world needs a different way. We are an angry people. We're angry at everything. We're angry on the road. We're angry in the restaurant. We're angry in our homes. We're angry at the TV. We're angry at the people who are angry. We we are quick to anger. We are quick to anger. Now listen, 
I'm going to make some of you angry today. I am. I'm going to step on some toes. It's going to be equal opportunity. Everybody gets in on this. But the truth is, we need to look in the mirror and be confronted with the ways that we are being heated quickly and in a way that brings about more and more hate and evil to those around us. And I think when we understand God's anger at another level, when we understand the anger that Jesus had at another level, and we begin to give ourselves to the way of Jesus. This is why as a church we say we're a community following Jesus because we believe that Jesus' way is the best way. We believe following Jesus is not the easiest thing to do, but could bring about the best in our world today. I'm angry, you're angry. Can we agree that we're angry? Okay, some of you aren't yet, but I'll get you there. Okay. When we think about anger at times, and we we think about like the explosive anger that we often see, uh, and then we talk about God's anger, sometimes that doesn't compute for us. In, In fact, some people, when they think about God's anger, it creates them, or it creates in them a difficulty in believing in God. Because if God is angry in the ways that I understand anger today, I don't know if, if I can believe in or follow that kind of God. Are you with me? Sometimes this idea of, of God's anger, or you might use the word wrath, God's anger or God's wrath makes it difficult to believe if God is all loving, then how can he also be angry? Are you with me? And we create sometimes this this tension between anger and love that doesn't necessarily exist when, when, when we understand the fullness of God. There's a brilliant, brilliant uh, scholar, Jewish scholar, that I was introduced to when, when I was uh, in, working on my master's called, Ab- his name was Abraham Heschel. If you've never, if you love deep reading and you've never read a Hebrew scholar, Abraham Heschel, go read one of Abraham Heschel's books. Um, one of them is called The Prophets. I, I believe that's where this, this quote comes from. But this is what he says. Scripture never portrays God's anger as something that cannot be accounted for or something that is unpredictable or irrational. And one of the challenges for us is when we've experienced someone else's anger in this world, for example, maybe a parent who lived in anger and at times exploded when you you didn't see it coming and it was irrational or unpredictable. You know what I mean? Like Like you just had this experience of a father who just would blow up and you didn't understand why they were blowing up. And so then you, you, you put this as, as what it means when God is angry. Does that mean God's going to explode and we never know why and where and how? And Heschel says, as you study the scriptures, we never find a God whose anger cannot be accounted for. A God whose anger is unpredictable. In fact, God's anger is only a reflection of his love. Because if God didn't love people, if God didn't have a love for people, he would never get angry when those people are taken advantage of. 
or when they're marginalized or when they're hurt or when they're destroyed. So he goes on to say, it is never a spontaneous outburst, but it's a reaction occasioned by the conduct of human beings and motivated, always motivated. God's anger is always motivated by a concern for right and wrong. God is slow to anger, but his anger comes about as a reaction to our conduct. And it's almost always when we humans bring about evil or pain to his other created beings, humans. Are you with me? Do I have you? I haven't made anybody mad yet, good. I put it this way, uh, sometimes Abraham Heschel, like he's just brilliant, so I said this, God is love. Did you know that? God is love. Love is the core, is at the core of who God is. God's anger, or you might say God's wrath, is not his character. Wrath or anger is not the core of who God is. God at the core is love. His anger is a reaction to continual evil and pain brought about by our activity. It's brought about, it's occasioned by what we do. And God gets angry because we make a mess of this world. Come on. Don't we make a mess of this world? Don't we take advantage of other people when we can? Don't we like to put ourselves in a place of authority and put others in a place of servanthood? God's anger comes about over time when he sees a people continually marginalized or set aside or hurt or destroyed and he sees a people in power who take advantage of others. So in the New Testament, they're trying to figure this out. Like what is, how, how do we deal with anger? Because anger is an emotion that we'll all have. Anger is something that God, uh, it, it's, it's, it's something that God experiences, brought about by what we do, and so in the New Testament, a couple passages of Scripture, and these would be good for you to take a picture of or write down or remember or highlight or something because it's, it's so powerful when we begin to understand. It says this, and don't sin by letting anger control you. And here's the challenge for humans is that we often experience this, this rise of emotion within us that is anger. And rather than controlling that emotion within us, we allow that emotion to control us, which then brings about even more destruction around us. Now let me be, let me give an example and, and be transparent. Anger is something I struggle with. And I've, I've done a deep dive into my soul with some counselors to try to figure out where that comes from. I've, I've tried to process, I've tried to ask God to just remove it. Wouldn't that be awesome if you just prayed and God would just remove anger from you or whatever it is that you struggle with? And some of you don't struggle with anger, it's awesome. 
I envy that, which is another one of my things, is now I envy and I'm angry, so I'm, <laughs> I'm angry and envious of you all at the same time. But there's just this at times, and I don't know if some of you uh, might experience the same thing. Any, any, maybe dads, there's just something at times when I don't know if it's that I want my kids to actually obey when I ask something, or, but there are times that I tend to allow emotion to control me in a way that is unhealthy. And I've found myself trying harder, and it doesn't work. Is anybody with me? Can you, does anybody sense that or feel that? And you want to take it back at times, and you can't, and it's just like, there's something about the anger that just controls you. And, and in Scripture, it's, it's clear. Don't sin. Don't enter into a place where anger is controlling you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Robin and I, when we did premarital counseling, this was one of the passages that um, our, our premarital, the, the counselor did with us. Um, and he, he challenged us to not go to bed while we were angry. And look, I'm a morning person, and there have been like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. nights where Robin and I are just like, and I, we're laying there, and I'm like, look, you're right, I'm wrong. Can I go to sleep because I don't want to go to bed angry because the counselor told us not to? And I think it's been really healthy for us, but at times we've been a little legalistic about it, and we stayed up all night, and we didn't need to, and all, all that. But there's a power in actually doing what scripture tells us to do, to not go to bed angry, but actually to try to work through the issues so that, here's what it says, anger can actually give, in in many of your translations it says a foothold, but maybe a better translation is a room to the devil in your house. Anger, when, when you allow anger to control you, it actually gives the enemy space within you and you lose a little bit of control of your life. So then James, the brother of Jesus, writes this. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I mean, that's one of the ways that we have a long nose, as, as God talks about it, is that, that we're, we're quicker to listen than to speak. And this is, you know, to be honest, I've, I've tried to live in this verse the last year. And some of you have been mad because I haven't said the things that you thought I should say from the platform. Some of you have been mad about masks and not masks and this and that, and we're mad about everything, are we not? We, you agreed with me, we're mad about everything. Like, you, you're mad about either the mask or the not mask, or you're mad about what I said or didn't say, and you're mad, we're just mad people. And I am trying to listen more than I speak, and that's hard for me. Anybody else, is that hard for you? Yeah. Especially when my job is to speak sometimes. It's even harder to not speak. Um, but one of the things that we can, we can do to keep anger um, in, from getting control of us is, is that we can listen to different perspectives and different thoughts and to slow down the role of our lives. It's hard to do, isn't it? To be quick to listen, slow to speak, which helps us to be slow to anger. Quick question, which one are you? This is, all of us have anger. You admitted earlier that you're angry. Most of you, some of you aren't. We're envious of you, but others, we're all angry. Um, So which one are you when it comes to anger? 
um, three options. Are you a spewer, a stewer, or wise? Spewers explode. Have you ever been there? Like that's sometimes my problem is I'll explode. I see some people agreeing with me. You're like, yes, like that's what I do. Like when you get angry, bam, there's a point at which the point of no return, come on. It just like you spew on everyone who's around you. A stewer is someone who like just, just push it down. Just push it down. Everything will be all right. Nobody's going to know I'm angry. And then you implode. You get to the place where you implode. So when my parents um, told my brother and I that they were getting a divorce, um, this was me. I wasn't an exploder at that point. I learned. I grew into my explosions. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's where it comes from, is that I just pushed it all down. I just poured myself into sports and said, I'm not going to deal with the anger that I have with my parents. I'm just going to just push it down. Nobody needs to see it. If I ignore it, it'll go away. Come on. Are you a steward? Are you just someone who just, let's just keep the peace. Are you a nine on the Enneagram? Just keep the peace. Just push it down. The wise, Scripture tells us, are those who process their emotions in a healthy way and respond accordingly. Those who process and respond accordingly. Okay. Story about Jesus. Let's get to Jesus because Jesus is who we follow, right? So can I tell you a story about Jesus? It's a great story. It's, he gets angry. So Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill him. And uh, you would think that that would, is the thing that makes him angry, but it's not at this point. He comes to Jerusalem. Jerusalem usually has maybe 40,000, 50,000 people in Jerusalem, but during the Passover, Jerusalem would sometimes swell to about half a million people. Can you imagine from 40,000, 50,000 to half a million people? It's unbelievable. That's crazy, is it not? I mean, it was just packed. So Jerusalem was packed with people. All these pilgrims had come back for Passover to connect or reconnect with God. And Jesus comes to the temple and he sees that all these people have come to Jerusalem to reconnect with God. And he comes into the temple, and Jesus is angry. And he, like, I was going to do this today, and then I decided not to. Like, he just flips, he flips the tables. Do you remember this passage of Scripture? Matthew chapter 21. If you haven't read it, you should read your Bibles. There's a picture of Jesus being angry in there. And he flips tables and he kicks the money changers, what he calls the money changers, out of the temple. Money changers in this day and in this picture, what they were doing is they were leveraging their power and what they had to take advantage of people who had traveled and were not able to bring the sacrifices they needed to connect with God. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So they were leveraging the resources that they had to take advantage and make money off those who couldn't bring animals from wherever it was that they traveled from. They were taking advantage of people who really just wanted to connect with God and they were making money off of it. And it drove Jesus crazy because he wanted everyone to know his loving father. He was just mad. He was angry. But there's something interesting about what Jesus does with his anger. Yeah, he turned over the tables, he created a, a scene, and he kicked the money changers out of the temple 
But he didn't deny the money changers' connection with God. Because within that week, Jesus went to the cross to die for those who were marginalizing and leveraging their power over other people. And you know what Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross? He makes this statement. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now, if someone nailed you to a cross, would you be angry? You'd be so angry. I don't deserve this. But Jesus processed that anger and transformed it into a forgiveness and even asking his father to forgive those who caused him pain and discomfort. And this, this is the the difficult invitation. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to learn to do this. To not be a people who just enter into the ways of the world and the anger and the hatred that is all around us. Now listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't be angry about things. We should. But what we do with that anger, what we do with that anger is vitally important, not just to our faith, but to the witness we proclaim of who God is. you're a follower of Jesus, and I know not all of us are, but if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a third way. There is a third way that does not match what we see all around us, especially in this cultural moment. There's another passage of scripture that... um, I think is so applicable to this moment and it says this for we are not fighting or battling flesh and blood this is where many of us lose sight we are not fighting or battling against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. Now, if you've tuned out for a minute, come back. I want you to hear this. Our battle is not against people. Come come back just for a minute. Our battle is not against people. Now, the, 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 the current cultural moment tells you that it is. Oh, those crazy Republicans. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, those liberal liberal Democrats. They're off their rockers. You need to tell them. You need to fix them. In fact, they're not even human. How could they be human and think the way they do? That was everybody, right? Did I get everybody? Is there another party that I don't know about? 
we should get angry. There are certain things that should, should get those emotions within us working out. But what we do with that anger is really, really important. Important to our faith, how we understand God, and our witness to those around us. Jesus was for people. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus went to the cross for you too? I know it's hard to say this, but aren't you glad he went for your enemies too? Whew. There's a third way. It's the way of Jesus. I heard a pastor say this, and I believe this with all that I am. Y'all, we can hate racism and fight injustice, and we can stand with the good men and women who protect and serve us every single day. It doesn't have to be an either or. Come on, church. This world needs to see a different way. And we are being pitted against one another almost in every aspect of our lives. And the scripture says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the principalities of this dark world. Yes, we should get angry, but we should get angry like Jesus did. We should be angry like Jesus. Okay, one more, can I tell you one more thing? I came across this, um, this sermon by Martin Luther King Jr. He says, I'm quoting this. Jesus said, love your enemies that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. And of course you say, all this about loving enemies is not practical. Life is a matter of getting even, of hitting back, of dog eat dog. Well, maybe in some distant utopia, the ideal will work. But not the hard, cold world in which we live. He said, my friends, we've followed the so-called so practical way for a long time now. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities which surrendered into hatred and violence. And that is what we're doing. We're going to follow another way. We will not abandon our righteous efforts. With every ounce of our strength, we will continue to rid the nation of the incubus of segregation, but we will not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. Now listen to this. While abhorring segregation, we will love the segregationalist. That's the way of Jesus. Why hating segregation, we will love the segregationalist. This is the only way to build the beloved community of God. One day we'll win freedom, but it's not just about ourselves. We will so appeal to the heart and conscience that we will win everyone in the process. And so our victory will be a double victory. The great military leaders of the past have gone, their 
empires have crumbled and burned to ashes, but the empire of Jesus, built solidly and majestically on the foundation of love, is still growing. May we solemnly realize that we shall never be sons of the Heavenly Father until we love our enemies and pray for our enemies, just as Jesus did. Father God, um, we're angry. Sometimes we don't know where that anger comes from. Sometimes it has to do with unresolved issues from our past or Sometimes it comes from selfishness. Sometimes it comes from just joining in with what others around us are angry about. God, I want, I want to be angry like Jesus was angry. I want to process. And I want to see people the way that you do. You said you are the God of compassion and grace. God, I want to be a person of compassion and grace. You said you were slow to anger and full of loyal love. I want to be slow to anger and loyal love. We want to be slow to anger. Help us see the third way, the way of Jesus. Help us to love our enemies. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.